0: Hi and welcome to The Unveiled Podcast, where we discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in every area of life. I'm here with Susie. She has a passion for women's ministry, biblical counseling and theology, and I'm Sandy. My training is in music and education. In our last episode, we looked at biblical examples of friendship and what we can learn from those examples. And today we want to take a more practical approach and see how we can live out godly friendships. We've had some conversations with women we know about the topic of friendship, younger women and older women, mature believers and newer believers. We wanted to get an idea of what hindrances some women are facing in creating and sustaining meaningful relationships and what we should prioritize in our intentions. For those who missed our last episode, we ended it by talking about the friendship that we have as believers with Jesus himself. And I remember a sermon series a few years back where Pastor Aaron preached on Jesus being our source of true satisfaction and joy. And yet living that out in a fallen world can be very difficult. What would you say to women who have a high expectation of others to fill their emotional need? How would you counsel those who have others putting unrealistic demands on them? Yeah, some very
1: good questions here, Sandy, and it's interesting because I think the topic of friendship is such a valuable one, and I'm seeing more and more people talking about it, and so I Mm -hmm. think it's definitely a a need and um, something that people are are wanting more information on. Uh, Friendship is something that in some ways should be such a natural thing because we're relational beings, and yet it can be hard. So let's just Acknowledge friendship can be hard, and in finding that proper balance. And so, absolutely, if um, anyone is struggling with finding that proper balance, know that you're not alone. And also remember, it doesn't have to be that way. God can guide you in that. And so, I think the first thing we need to remember is that we need to go to God first. And that's such a simple statement, and I think one that women have heard over and over again. It can almost be too easy to be true, but it but it's true. God is your first friend. He is your best friend. He is the one that is always available. He is the best example of friendship. So go to God first, and then not just go to him and say, well, I went to him and it didn't work. No, learn to delight in God. Mm-hmm. We want to find joy in him. We delight in in spending time with our friends. We delight in spending time with um, our, our husbands or our boyfriends. We delight in spending time with our children. So let's also delight in God, enjoy him and uh, just delight in the fact that he has chosen you, that he loves you, that he, he offers you grace and forgiveness and renewal. Delight in his creation. And maybe that means sometimes you have to go outside alone and go for a walk through through nature or go sit by uh, a body of water or just go enjoy the sunset and worship God in that. So learn to delight in Him. Do that regularly. Um, and that means we also have to be okay with alone time. And I think in a fast-paced culture like what we have, it's almost... Um, seen as as a bad thing, a negative thing to have alone time. No, it's it's actually a good thing. We need to be okay with it, not uncomfortable with it. And um, uh, at the same time, we don't want to ever be people who isolate ourselves or are alone all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, some alone time is okay because it's an opportunity to spend time with God Himself. But friends. Are valuable and God created friendship and even in our last episode part one of this we saw how God designed us to be relational beings and that isolation is not a good thing and we saw some good biblical examples of friendship and I think we need to remember that friends are designed to enhance our relationship with God but they are not designed to replace our relationship with God because True friends, biblical friends, they will help you to delight in God. They will point you to God. They will help you to enjoy the good gifts that God has given you. But they're never going to replace God by trying to control you or guilt trip you or um be jealous of you when you you spend time with the Lord or with other things or other people no friends enhance your relationship because they reflect what your relationship with God should be like they're they're like that hand the hands and feet of, of our experience our relationship with God right and so friends should model um, encouragement they should model um confrontation exhortation so if there's something in your life that needs to be changed they should be able to say hey this is what god's word says and point you back to god so friends are, are really they should be a representation of what our relationship with god is but they never replace our relationship with god remembering that god alone is divine he is sovereign he's creator he is king of kings and lord of lords and there's nothing that we can, can replace him but we can find that model of friendship through our our Christian friends, and part of that means that we uh, learn the difference between interdependence and codependence. Uh, our relationships with our friends are meant to be interdependent, meaning that we we benefit from our friendships, and we are able to bless one another through our friendships. We help each other emotionally, physically, relationally, but we don't depend on them in the sense that if they aren't there in the exact moment we need them, that we we fall apart, that we, we need them to survive, to find our joy. No, they, they enhance our relationship, but they don't replace our relationship with God. Uh, there, there's a difference there. A codependent friend will be jealous if you spend time with other people. They, they control your every move. They need to know everything that you're doing. And that's not a healthy sign of friendship. Healthy friends trust you to still be a friend, even if you're spending time with other people. Or if you happen to need to to go to work and you don't have time to to spend time with them during the day. Maybe you're in different seasons of life. Um, We need to allow for that. And you don't... um, As a good friend, a friend that is interdependent, who is modeling the goodness and relationship of God, you don't guilt trip your friend when your friend isn't available. And we see that in in friendships or relationships. It can be family relationships. It can be friend relationships. Or it can even be boyfriend or husband-wife relationships where there's that passive aggressiveness when uh, you find that your friend is spending time with someone else. Uh, You might make a comment like, well, when are you going to come and see me or must be nice. I wish I had that kind of time or I wish I could go spend time with that person or whatever it might be. Those kind of comments, those are not helpful. Those are codependent. They're guilt trips. They're manipulative and they're not a good sign of friendship. There are unhealthy ways of trying to be a good friend or have a good friendship. So trust your friend to still be your friend, even if they're doing other things other than just spending time with you. And so I think it's very important that we consider the the schedule of our friends, right? The reality is our schedule, our lifestyle changes depending on what We're like before we're married, when we're in school, as opposed to when we're working full time, when we have children, as opposed to when we don't have children, what our husband's schedule is like, if he's working shift work, or if he has trips where he's away for a few weeks at a time, our schedule and our lifestyle changes. And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing if our flexibility with our time with friends needs to change accordingly. And a good friend will consider that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, um, if your friend, every time you ask, no matter what's going on, says, no, I can't do it. I'm too busy. Maybe there needs to be a conversation or maybe uh, that person isn't truly a good friend for you. But if you're just honestly considering their schedule and their lifestyle, be okay with that. Be okay to be flexible and to think about their Needs, not just your own. I think that's super important. And I think what we uh, see here is that friendship is not just about thinking about what others can do for me and demanding, expecting them to do for me, but what is God calling you to do for them? And I think back on our first podcast when we saw Jonathan in. David being good friends. And one of the signs of their friendship or one of the key attributes of their friendship was that they supported and sacrificed for one another. And so Jonathan, who was the rightful heir to become the next king uh, in terms of family lineage, he actually gave that up. He sacrificed that because he knew God had called David to that role. And he didn't get jealous. He didn't get angry. No, he supported David and he sacrificed for David so that David would be prepared and positioned from a human perspective to fulfill that role. And so we see that friends need to be supportive and they need to sacrifice for one another, not looking out for their own interests, but looking out for the interests and the calling of their friend. And so I think that's super important. Um So yeah, I think those are some of the things I wanted to mention. Oh, actually, I also wanted to mention just Moses and Aaron as well. And we see that Moses and Aaron in the Bible had different roles. They were brothers, but Moses was the one that was called to be the leader over the Israelites. But because of his lack of communication confidence, God put Aaron in the place to be the communicator. And they worked well together and they didn't compete against each other but they worked together to fulfill God's purpose. And so enjoy each other's differences. I think that's super important. Don't try to be like your friend or do all the things that your friend does, but consider how God has made you unique and and different and then say, "How, how can we work well together? Instead of being, once again, jealous of what your friend has Mm -hmm. and the gifts and opportunities your friend has. No, how can I be a blessing and a benefit to my friend in her unique circumstances? And hopefully your friend is then doing that for you as well. And that can be an example, maybe even here within the context of our church. We have different people that some people have staff roles, some people are married to elders or, or pastors. And because of that, they have unique responsibilities, maybe unique opportunities. But maybe someone who doesn't have those unique opportunities might feel jealous of that and think, well, I wish I had those opportunities or I wish I could be connected with with the lead pastor or his wife or even um, get invited to all these baby showers or all these weddings and they seem to be well known and I wish I could have that. Just remember, God has given each one of us a special and unique role and with each unique role and each unique responsibility there's also challenges that mm-hmm. come along with that so instead of being jealous of the opportunities that your friend has try to consider how you can support her in that and and see that maybe she actually has some challenges in those unique situations or those roles that you see as a as a blessing or something better than what you have she might have challenges that she actually needs you to support her in. So be be willing to consider those things. And then instead of trying to be her, maybe say, hey, how can I best be a benefit and a blessing? And what roles and opportunities and gifts has God given me? And I'm just going to learn to excel in those and trust God to provide the friendships, the relationships that are given to me in my unique circumstances. Uh so yeah i think really just learning to think of others and consider their circumstances and then looking at your own and saying how can i best glorify god in what he has given me
0: Mm, that's great and look how how we can champion our friends and um and encourage them and not only look at what's lacking in our in Mm -hmm. our own lives it's good Mm -hmm. and being content right where god has placed us um well, our church harvest has has always made connecting with other people a priority, even from the very early days. And Susie, I don't know, I'm sure you remember the friendship focus. We used to have a time in our service that we would specifically um, meet new people, somebody that we haven't talked to before. And I think um, being part of this church has 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 helped me become more outgoing. Um, being part of an active and vibrant church. It's contributed to my growth in this area. And I know this effort has come from our leadership to um, to encourage us to leave our comfort zone of waiting for people to come to you and, you know, to come come talk to you and instead to, to look for others and to get to know them, ask them good questions. Um, our church has grown quite a lot and it It'd be very easy for a newcomer to to slip in and leave without being noticed at all. How would you encourage a new attendee to create meaningful connections? Absolutely a very good question. And I just
1: want to say first and foremost, I am the lead pastor's wife. I'm on staff here at the church. And so there's some people that might just assume that relationships always come easy to me, that people are always wanting to talk to me, that I'm always busy, and that this kind of thing is natural and it's not even something that I can understand if someone is going through a hard time. Well, that's absolutely not true. I could, if I wanted to, just go and hide in my office or go hide in my husband's office in between services or right up until the service starts. I could um, just sit quietly and wait for other people to come to me. And sometimes they do. But I've also learned that I have to go and make the initiative. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I were just to hold back, things would be very, very different. And yeah, people might still know who I was, but that doesn't mean they're all going to want to come and talk to me or that they're going to want to necessarily be my friend. So people who assume that everybody wants to be my friend because of who I am, you're you're wrong. It's not true, right? I still have to make the effort and I still have to be a good friend. And so my first comment is you have to take the initiative. If you slip in and you slip out, you have absolutely no right to say that we are not friendly, that you, mm-hmm. you don't know how to make friends and that you aren't able to make friends. It absolutely takes initiative and it's not uncommon for even outgoing people to always feel like they're the ones making the initiative and we can feel sorry for ourselves and say, well, why isn't anybody else making the effort? That is a lie from Satan. That is just a way for him to try and deceive you or discourage you. Keep making that effort Mm -hmm. and stop comparing yourself to how much effort other people are putting in or compared to what you're doing. Just continue, continue mm. to take the initiative. And it's interesting. I have a, a story of when my two of my kids changed schools and um, it was uh, the oldest one. When he got off the bus, he just immediately walked right up to a group of guys and started talking to him. And my daughter was telling me about this and she had observed this and found that very interesting. And as my oldest daughter was hearing that, she was just, like, shocked, thinking <laughs> I could never just go into a group of people that I don't know and start talking to them. And so it was just interesting to see the different mm-hmm. dynamics and the different personalities of my own children. But um, I I didn't ask for permission, but I, I don't <laughs> think he'll mind. It, it was Simon. And I just loved the fact that he did that. He ended up being, I think, the most popular boy in school that (laughs) year. And although it is not my intention for my kids to be the most popular, I did actually delight in that. He was just well-liked. He... Went to school in a small town. Mm -hmm. Everybody took notice of the fact that this is a new kid. He had the confidence to go and talk to people. And he was well-liked. It worked. (laughs) And I was just happy for him because he's the youngest of the three boys and so you know what it's like growing up in a family being the youngest boy the oldest boys always their older brothers and they make it known to the youngest brother so I just delighted in seeing him have a year where he was well liked mm-hmm. and he didn't get himself into you know trouble being the popular kid he was just noticed and some of it was because he was the new kid but some of it was the fact that he just went up and started talking to people he was willing to do that mm-hmm. and yeah was he a little bit uncomfortable absolutely but He did it, and so he's just a good example of, hey, if you want friends, if you're in a new situation, you just have to go and insert yourself and start the conversation. And then just recently, actually, uh, Aaron and I had gone to Romania for a ministry trip. And it was an interesting situation because I knew the pastor and his wife. We've had regular conversations on Skype. We've met them in 2019 in person. So I knew them. And yet there was a language barrier The pastor and his wife and their family they knew how to speak English quite well but many of the people in Romania they really really struggled and I found myself on one particular day feeling really awkward and it was interesting like I think maybe God is giving allowing this experience maybe partly because he knew obviously that I'm doing this podcast on friendship and uh and so I want Women to know that whether you're outgoing and have lots of friends and everybody knows you, or you're a woman who doesn't have a lot of friends or um, isn't popular, isn't well known. I feel like I've kind of experienced both. I had that one day where I felt like the women were, uh, they were hesitant. They were more hesitant because Although they would have liked to have a conversation with me, they didn't speak English and I didn't speak Romanian and there's only so far you can go in a conversation when you're not speaking each other's language. And so I found myself kind of on the outside as the women were talking and I'm not in any way speaking, trying to speak bad of them, but I had to process that and figure out, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to make this work? Because I'm not going to stand here or sit here by myself during a social gathering Mm -hmm. just because we can't speak the language. Uh, And so I'd go up to women and just have little conversations and and, and do what I can or ask if I could help with various things. And in the end, I I ended up playing a a game with some of the young people who were uh, speaking English and enjoyed having that experience. But I had to process that and I had to take time to to think through this and say okay this is awkward this is difficult it's a challenge I don't know how to necessarily relate to them not because they're that much different than me actually going to Romania was a good insight into my life seeing how Hey, whether you're in Romania or Canada, the patterns of our human tendencies and in the joys of our life and the difficulties of our life, they really aren't that different depending on what country you live in. We're very similar, actually. But there was that language barrier. I'm like, how can I communicate? And it was really only that day. Every other day was great, but it was just an awkward day for some reason. And so I just, I'm just sharing that with mm-hmm. all of you because I want you to know that I know what it feels like and, um, to push through that and to, to remind yourself, like, how can I be a blessing to women? What do I do when there is a barrier, when I am not relating and maybe it's not a language barrier, maybe it's a social barrier, maybe it's, um, um, you know, you just don't feel like you have anything in common. Um, but I, I, I I want you to know, I, I know what it feels like and that we have to remind ourselves that first and foremost, it's not about me. It's about how I can be a blessing to other people. Mm-hmm. I actually send a message to a few people and said, Hey, can you pray for me? So I know how to be a blessing during this time because it's, it's a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. So ask people to pray for you, ask people to pray for you in advance or after the fact or in the middle of an awkward situation. Mm-hmm. We all have those at times. And, um, Remember that God created you to, first and foremost, glorify him, to bring honor to him. Going off in a corner by yourself and pouting or being isolated is not his plan for you. Mm -hmm. And he wants you to shine even if, if there is a barrier of whatever sort it might be. So ask him to help you through that and then go and be a blessing and a joy to the people that you're interacting with, whatever the situation might be. And then I had this other experience. It was so funny. I'm like, God, you're giving me these interesting experiences that um, maybe you're just helping me to relate and give these examples so that women who are listening, maybe one of the women that are listening can kind of relate. So I had this other experience where I was sitting in my office and uh, working away, I usually just sit in my office, eat my lunch as I'm I'm working because there's lots to be done. And I hear a couple of women say, hey, let's go sit outside for lunch. And I thought, oh, interesting that I didn't get invited. But I knew that I had a good relationship with them. I knew it wasn't anything personal. I did have a lot to do that, that day, so I just kept on working. And I think it was the next day or a few days later, the same thing happened. And I thought, you know what? I would actually like to take a break from my desk and go have lunch outside. Certainly, I could keep myself busy and just keep doing things because there's always lots to be done. But like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and sit with them, even though I didn't get invited. And I kind of went out there. I'm like, hey, I'm going to invite myself along. I'm going to join you guys today since you forgot me the other day. I made a joke of it, right? Because, well like, I don't know, how How do you invite yourself <laughs> in, even if it's people that you know, right? And it was just so funny. They totally laughed about it. It was all good. And I could have, if I would have been someone who wanted to engage in stinking thinking, I could have sat in my office and felt sorry for myself and started getting suspicious. Like, oh, do they not like me? Is there a problem? Mm-hmm. Do they not want to hang out with me? And you know what the reality is? Yeah, that sounds like a teenage response, But I know that adult women tend to think that way as well. But I knew these women and I knew I didn't have an issue with them and they didn't have an issue with me and we were friends. And so I'm not going to even entertain those kind of ideas. So I just encourage you to sometimes just insert yourself Mm -hmm. in. Sometimes there is an oversight and it's nothing personal. So don't assume there's a personal problem just because you've been left out of a situation and I think in this situation, they know that I'm busy and I have a lot to do. And they just assumed I, I needed to stay in my office and continue working. There was absolutely nothing personal going on. And so I think learning to um, assume that the best of people and not just think, oh, there's something wrong with me because I didn't get invited. Mm-hmm. That's probably not the case. And at the same time, don't assume that you're going to be invited to everything like we were talking about earlier. Allow your friends to be friends with other people as well, right? So yeah, that's just a few of the things. I would say though, don't assume, if you're thinking about being a friend, don't assume that people are too busy to be your friends just because you see them in a prominent role or in um, you know a busy season of life. Maybe they have lots of children at home and... Um, Or maybe their husband's really busy, so you're assuming, oh, they're too busy to hang out with me. Don't assume they're too busy if you haven't asked Mm -hmm. them, right? I think sometimes we make these assumptions about people when we don't actually really know what's going on in their life, and that can actually be a bad assumption in that they might actually really need a friend at that Mm -hmm. time. At the same time, if you've, like I said before, I think I already mentioned this, if you've asked them 10 times and every time you ask them, they say, oh, no, I'm too busy, well, you know, maybe focus on a different friendship. At the same time, let's get back to the main question you said. How would you encourage a new (laughs) attendee to create connections? Uh, So at church, once again, absolutely, you have to take the initiative. Mm -hmm. But at our church, and I'm assuming most churches are like this, there is a welcome desk. Go to the welcome desk and introduce yourself and see if there's any information that they have for you. Maybe there's a card that you can fill out to get connected. And then in our church, we have – essentials classes. We have Essentials 1 and Essentials 2, and these are introductory classes into what our church is all about. Uh, If your church offers something like that, go to that class. And then the next step would be to join a small group. And our church is very big on small groups. We say we are not just a church with small groups, but we are a church of small groups. That means we have life groups. These are groups that where men and women in different generations get together biweekly and they uh, discuss sermons. They pray for one another. They support one another. It's really our first line of discipleship. And so it's absolutely essential to join a small group. Uh, Some prefer to be also in a discipleship group. It could be a woman's small group. It could be a men's small group. It could be a young adult group. Um, There's usually some sort of a a Bible study attached to that or uh, a practical teaching attached to that along with prayer and lots of opportunity for relationship so absolutely join at least one small group maybe even two if you want a specialized group for your age group or your gender category and then go and serve those though those are some of the key places where I make friends it's in my small groups and it's in the areas that I serve because as you're serving together you, you start talking you start sharing prayer requests you start sharing what's going on in your life you get to know one another you you Connect by having a a passion for the same ministry, the same people, by praying together. There's so many opportunities. If you're in a small group and you're serving, you will make friends Mm -hmm. if you're actually making any effort to be relational at all. So I think sometimes we're too easily or too quick to say, I can't make any friends or I can't connect with anybody there will be somebody that you can be friends with if you join a small group if you're serving in the church and so go and do that make mm. the effort
0: mm that's good and I think if you are just floating in and out on Sunday mornings you're actually ripping yourself off of um, a lot of the benefits of, of being mentored and discipled and, and discipling others as well so that's great thanks Susie. all right let's talk about dinner parties are they old-fashioned Are they amazing? I think yes is the answer to both of those. Uh, These are a great way to get to know people. You don't have to be married to host one either. Uh, We've been noticing, Susie and I have noticed that the younger generation isn't embracing the dinner party. And um, I'm sure there's different reasons, but Susie, why do you think that is? And how can we encourage and help the younger generation see the value in the dinner party and help them realize that we we as the older generation we want to pour into them
1: absolutely good question so yes i recently was told by a younger person that um, it's only the older generation that invites people into their home for dinner younger people don't do that anymore well you know what i think you should Mm -hmm. and i think some Old-fashioned things, if that's what you want to label it, are still best. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you're struggling with friendship or you don't have the same kind of friends as you've seen in past generations, maybe this is part of the problem. So I think you can learn from the older generation. So I don't care if people label dinner parties or having someone over for dinner as old-fashioned, I think there's still good things because I think food is central to the home. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to eat. And the home is central to relationships. And I just have a a beautiful example again of our time in Romania. In North America, if you have a a guest speaker or a, a missionary coming, many times we don't invite them to stay in our homes anymore. We rent a hotel for them. It's almost the more generous thing Mm -hmm. to do. And we want to respect their opportunity to have rest and uh, time to rejuvenate in their own time. But I actually really loved what happened in Romania. So Aaron and I, we've been mentoring this uh, new pastor and his wife uh, that planted a church in 2020. And we speak with them. Uh, Regularly, obviously, Romania is a second world country, and so their uh, economy isn't as strong as the Canadian economy. And the pastor and his wife, personally, they actually live in a very small home uh, that most of us would say that's too small for their family, but it works for them and they're happy and they all love the Lord, which is such a blessing to see, but there wouldn't have been room for Aaron and I to, to be there. And so what they did was they rented a bigger home for the week and they moved their whole family into this home with us and were just so hospitable. It was such a beautiful opportunity to get to know the whole family. Mm. So they were so generous. They they sh- their whole family, four kids and two parents, shared a bathroom. They gave Aaron and I a bathroom all to ourselves and we had a bedroom to ourselves. And and then every morning we would wake up and they would make breakfast for us and and then they'd take us touring around to different locations, different ministry opportunities or just different sites to see mm. and and then every day Pretty much every day, there would be somebody that would invite us into their home for lunch, somebody from the church, and then there'd be somebody that would invite us into their home at dinner time. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said about being in someone's mm-hmm. home. You get to know people differently. If I invite you to go out for lunch and we go to a restaurant, that's a nice experience. But it's a whole different level of intimacy if you are invited into my home or if I'm an invited into your home. So when we were in Romania, we got to see how the family functions together. And that gives you insight into who they are as mm-hmm. people. Because it's not just about you. It's not just about getting to know one person. What their family relationships like are like or their church relationships are like tells you a lot about who that person is as well and so we in romania spent a lot of time with the all the elders and their families the the core group and their families and it was such a blessing and it gave me insight into who these people are because i didn't just know them personally i knew their whole family Mm -hmm. i knew what their home is like and so it's very very valuable i think it's so important to continue to invite people into your home uh, and we can learn from other cultures. I think other cultures actually do better at this. Uh, mm-hmm. If we stay in North America too long, we we forget and we grow bad at actually being hospitable and being mm-hmm. people who invite others into our home. It's just too easy to go out for coffee or to go out for lunch or go out for dinner And and we're really missing out. I think there's something when we actually go into someone's home, we we relax, we we are more casual, and it's less expensive to cook at home. And so I just encourage young people and anyone else, learn to cook. And it's not old-fashioned to cook Mm -hmm. meals at home. It really isn't. And at the same time, you don't have to put on A Joanna Gaines meal and decorations and, you know, make it a a whole beautiful experience. If that's your gift and you have time for that, go for it. But you don't have to feel like you have to put on a big show. That's not what it's about. It's Mm -hmm. about relationship. I really think we have to get back to that. And as much as, you know, adding a a few little decorative, um, you know, uh, herbs or, you know, design to your uh, display of food can be a blessing, go ahead and do it if that's your natural gift and that's who you are. But don't feel like that's who you have to be. Provide a simple meal, provide Mm -hmm. coffee, provide dessert, whatever it might be. Have people into your home. That's such a great way to get to know people Mm -hmm. and get to know more than just what they're putting on while you're at the restaurant. And so I'll just give a a nice little um, tip as well. It is good to be polite if you do invite people into your home. The reality is we do live in a culture where there's a lot more food sensitivities or aversions than maybe people would have had in the past. And so be considerate. So if you're inviting someone to your home, try to remember to ask them if they do have allergies or or extreme food aversions so that you can be considerate of that. So that's just my Mm -hmm. little tip. But I do think it's very important to have people in your home, even if it's old fashioned. Hey, sometimes old fashioned is cool.
0: Mm -hmm. That's, that's great advice. And I think, um, just the, the realization that you don't have to have a a perfect home or a, a, you know, a perfect meal to be able to, to invite people over. It can just be real. Right. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Piggybacking on that a little bit, it says in Titus 2 verses 3 to 4, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So the older ladies, let's call them wise women, uh, that I've spoken to, have a desire to minister to the younger women but um, it's a struggle to find ways to connect. The dinner party thing doesn't seem to be catching on until they listen to this podcast, maybe. Of course. (laughs) And um, the wise women want to find opportunities to spend time together. And another barrier seems to be communication. Um, Young women don't seem to be interested in maybe an old-fashioned phone call, talking on the phone, and maybe texting back isn't always reliable. So two things... I think, seem to be happening. Um, The wise women want to know what the younger ladies want to do, and they want to meet them there. And maybe the younger women are not realizing what the older women can offer in terms of discipleship and mentoring. Um, This isn't about the younger women filling a need for the older women, but actually the older women want to pour into the younger women. Maybe there's a feeling of obligation along the lines of like, having to go visit grandma or an aunt that you don't really want to spend time with. Um, What would you add to this as a mother of younger women and someone involved in women's ministry?
1: Yes, so there's a a few things here. So first of all, I would say, in general, I do actually believe that the young women in our church, many of them do want to be mentored and have a relationship with the older women. But I have noticed that um, the younger generation does not seem to be good at responding to texts or emails, maybe even phone calls. Phone calls are awkward because many people don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. But they do want real live relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I would just encourage the older women, make that effort to say hello, to take an interest in the younger women in your lives and ask them questions. Don't be too quick to offer advice. I think we want to be considerate and, and we do have to be Mm -hmm. careful. I think as older women, because we've had a lot of life experience and we can be very passionate about things, there are times when we can almost come across as Mm know-it-alls or as self-righteous because we're too quick to offer Mm -hmm. advice or maybe even it's the way we say it. We say it um, in a way that I I believe most, most of the time it comes from a, a genuine heart, but because uh, we feel strongly about a certain situation, maybe we come across as being condescending. So let's just be considerate of that as we talk to the younger generation. Let's take time to ask them the questions to really understand what's going on in their life. And if you don't know the younger people very well, maybe ask them once they've shared some, some situations or some life experiences with you, Ask them if they would mind if you gave them advice rather than just mm. being too quick to offer it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that most of the time you will actually find that they're very receptive to that. So that would be my my advice. At the same time, I would say over the last few years, I've just become increasingly aware of this. And it's not coming out of... A, personal situation in the sense that I, I think I have a good relationship with a lot of young people. I have a good relationship with my kids. So I'm not saying because I've been personally, uh, the, the, uh, one who's experienced this, but I've seen this where a lot of people speak quite negatively about their parents mm-hmm. or their in-laws or about older people in general, and they, they complain about, um, you know, the fact that their parents want to be too involved in their life or they complain about how embarrassing their parents are or uh, whatever it might be. There's just a disrespectful tone in the way that a lot of young people um, or even middle-aged people speak about the elderly. And I, I say this carefully because I've had to process this in my own life because I think as we become adults of our own, as we have our own children, we become more aware of the flaws of our parents and maybe how they did things that affected us negatively and we wish they would have done things differently. And there's certainly a time to process that and I think it's very biblical to process that so that we don't follow the same patterns of mistakes that our parents had and so, yeah, talk to the people that can help you through that and navigate that so that there can be proper restoration or forgiveness or healing that needs to take place if you did have parents that that failed, whether it's big ways mm-hmm. or small ways, right? Mm-hmm. So invite the people into your life that can help you to process that. But don't paint your parents in a completely negative picture all around. Or don't be too quick to just speak negatively about them or how annoying they are or how frustrating they are because of the way that they interact with you. It's actually something that I've noticed is more of a a cultural thing in North America. And I don't think it's a good thing. I've noticed it in other cultures that they speak very highly of the elderly and of their parents and their in-laws, they sacrifice to be able to take care of them and they speak well of them. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a difference in what I see from people who were born and raised in North America. Uh, Many times people born and raised in North America, they don't want to sacrifice. They are very quick to put their parents into an old age home, a, a nursing home, um, and I, I do recognize that there's a time for that. And I don't judge people who do, but sometimes people are too quick to do that because they don't want to sacrifice and actually spend time with their aging parents or mm-hmm. helping them out. And then they speak poorly of them. I I have some friends. They're actually, uh, Arabic Christian friends and uh, a few different families. And I take note of how respectful they are of the mm-hmm. elderly, um, the parents are that the grandchildren are very willing to help and be available and I think that's admirable and even the way they speak I never hear a word of of disrespect or negative comment coming from their mouths and I think wow like their parents can't have been perfect or their in-laws can't have been perfect and yet there's no disrespect there and I think we can learn from that and and consider how we actually talk about the elderly in our lives, whether it be our aunts, our grandparents, our, our parents, our in-laws. I think we need to be more careful and more selective in, in how we speak of them and how we speak about them, how we speak to them. And yes, if you've been hurt or if you're trying to figure out, hey, My parents did it this way. I think maybe I need to do it differently. Absolutely invite mature people into your life to help you process that. But in public, let's just be more careful about how Mm. we speak about them. I think we can learn from other cultures about how to properly respect. Mm. I think many of them do it better than North America. Mm
0: -hmm. Excellent. That's great. So, um, when should we end a friendship? And I'm speaking specifically of relationships with other believers. And I think we touched on this a little bit in a previous episode. And um, this was very prevalent during COVID. Depending on what stance you chose or what church you stood with, lifelong friendships were often tested or ended over issues like choosing to gather versus choosing to stay home over medical choices you did or didn't take. Or even, even masking. I think some relationships ended over that. Um, maybe these friendships were ultimately broken over who was Lord over your life. Um, maybe it was a matter of spiritual maturity or being evenly yoked. Um, I know my husband and I, at times we, we feel like we're exiting a battlefield. And we <laughs> find ourselves shaking our heads and looking at the aftermath and wondering, how do we proceed from here? So Susie, do you have some insight on this? Uh, Yes, I wouldn't say I
1: have perfect insight (laughs) or or even have modeled it perfectly myself. But I do think that um, maybe now is the time because maybe some of the emotions, the high emotions we experience during the uh, last three years, maybe they've settled down a little bit Mm -hmm. and there's opportunities for reasonable gospel-centered conversations. Mm -hmm. And so if there's people in your life that have hurt you and offended you because they had a very different response, a response that you would consider uh, to be sinful during the last three years, maybe now is actually a time where you can have a reasonable conversation Mm. and you can speak truth without unnecessary hurt Mm -hmm. taking place, right? And just really consider why they did the things that they did and hear from them, listen to them and then tell them why you did the things that you did and why you believe so strongly that what you did was the right and biblical uh, thing to do. And at the end, you might have... different opinion and and you might not even fully agree but I think there's there's room to take time to process it and they might not be where you're at immediately but maybe there is time for them to really think through it and pray through it and as you've shared some good sound biblical knowledge on on the fact that God is sovereign and ultimately we obey him rather than man mm-hmm. and that, yes, God has put governing officials into place to, to rule and to keep order in our country. They've overstepped and they don't actually have authority over the church um, when it comes to some of these things that they, they try to control and manipulate and they try mm-hmm. to shut us down. And that's where we have to listen to God rather than... The governing authorities Mm -hmm. have a good response to them think reasonably pray for them and just maybe you can actually have an influence in their lives don't cut off a relationship if you haven't actually had a conversation with them Mm -hmm. i think sometimes we we bail out too quickly and it's too easy just to shut them out without actually conversing with them yes maybe there was a time during the really intense period where we had to to um keep our distance or uh, just not have that intimate relationship because things were too hurtful and you were at two very different situations or out responses to it all. And you couldn't be friends or you couldn't be intimate friends together. But now maybe it's time where you can, mm-hmm. can have a conversation. And if, if it ends poorly and they're uh, just Unwilling to to see or even value what you have to say, maybe that's a time when you have to reevaluate. Like, are the are we actually thinking biblically in the same way, or maybe this is actually a false friendship that should never have taken place? But have the conversation mm-hmm. and um, be somewhat flexible. They don't have to. I don't think they have to agree a hundred percent with everything that you say, as long as in the end they still believe that God is sovereign and He is ruler overall Maybe the way that they see the outcome of that is a little bit different than yours but do they still testify to the sovereignty of God I think you can maintain that Mm -hmm. friendship and you can continue to influence each other and then I think also, um, I think we need to recognize that loyalty is very good. And we saw mm-hmm. that in David and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. We In in the Bible from our first podcast, we saw that in Ruth and Naomi, where Ruth was so loyal to Naomi. She was not going to leave Naomi, but she declared that your God is my God. Your people will be my people. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And we want to be those kind of loyal friends who stick together. And in most cases, we can. And we, we stick together even when our friends are going through a, a difficult season or if they're going through a season where they're wrestling and questioning things. We, we can still be loyal to them, but we shouldn't be loyal to them at the expense of compromise. And that means that if um, a few examples, we have to draw the hard line. If our best friend is going to marry an unbeliever, we don't attend their wedding or if our relative is going to be married to someone of the same gender. We don't attend that wedding just because they're our relative. Or if our friend has an affair on her husband, we don't stand by her and take her side if she's not repentant, right? So we don't compromise for the sake of loyalty, but as much as possible, we should be loyal mm-hmm. through the ups and downs of life, right? Yeah. And that means that we have to think the best of our friends for as long as possible. And so don't be too quick to label people or to um, to assume the worst in people just because Maybe someone else has said something about them, or maybe they're going through a difficult season, they're struggling, they're wrestling, assume the best. And mm-hmm. once again, I think we touched on this in the first podcast, but uh, I just want to mention First Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, that says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Mm-hmm. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never ends. And so as much as possible, stay loyal and think the best of people. I've personally been mislabeled. I've seen loved ones being mislabeled. And I know myself, I have mislabeled people at times and being mislabeled is a very hurtful thing. And if you're going to end a friendship, make sure that you have the facts right. As women, sometimes we can make assumptions Mm -hmm. from what we observe, or we can have interpretations of what we observe. And those interpretations become fact to us when it's not actually fact at all. We've just interpreted things Mm -hmm. to be what they are. And, Sometimes it's because we haven't asked enough questions, we haven't actually had the conversation, or we haven't actually taken time to think about the facts, we've just interpreted them the way that we would like to. And so uh, I think we have to be careful about that. And I have a, a template that I use sometimes for conflict management. And it goes through uh, how to process things when you're in a conflict with someone and it starts by listing all the facts. And I think it's so important to go back to that. Actually say what happened. So when mm-hmm. somebody says something or does something hurtful. So maybe uh, somebody says something that I'm just trying to think of a quick example here, but might hurt you. They might say, well, I I don't have time to do that today. That's the fact. That's exactly what they said. But then you start thinking about that and you start saying, well, they don't have time for that. They never have time for me. They're always too busy for me. I'm not even a priority anymore. They don't even like,
0: you Mm. know how quickly Mm -hmm. it
1: can become. Mm -hmm. They're so rude. And, and, uh, I don't mean anything to them, and they haven't had time for me in, in you know, mm. in five weeks, and I'm just so hurt. But we, and then all of a sudden that becomes fact to us when reality, we forget the fact that, oh, they actually sent me a text last week to say that they're praying for me, mm. and oh, they actually, um, did make an effort to come and say hi to me at church yesterday but i was i was actually the one that was too busy to talk to them all those things yeah. we we are so quick to interpret one phrase to mean something very different than what it actually is so list all the facts mm-hmm. and then the next thing i think would be so list the facts and then list your interpretation of those facts recognizing that your interpretation may or may not be right. And then the next thing is to list your feelings because the reality is our interpretation of the facts do affect our feelings. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to acknowledge them. It doesn't mean our feelings are right. But once we've gone through that list, then we can say, okay, this is how I'm feeling. And then the next part would be to actually ask yourself, like, is there anything I did to contribute to this problem? Or have I ever done something similar to what that person just did? And it helps you to maybe humble yourself and to Mm -hmm. realize, okay, yeah, that person did something that hurt me. It may or may not be legitimate, but I've also done the same thing myself. And then the next step would be to actually go and have the conversation. And you start by saying, hey, I want to talk to you about something. I would like to share the facts with you. So you share the facts And then in the interpretation time, you say, this is how I interpreted what you did. I know I could or couldn't be right or wrong in this Mm -hmm. interpretation. So be humble enough to say that. So you're not just accusing that person. Share with them how you feel. And then what you yourself have done that contributed to it or maybe that you've done in the past that was similar. So be humble to admit that you aren't perfect either. And then the next step is to tell them what you want out of that relationship. So maybe if it's a friend that's always busy and doesn't have time for you, just say, hey, like, I know you're in a season of life that's very busy, but your friendship is valuable to me. So what do you think would be a realistic thing for us to come up with? Like, is there a realistic amount of time that we could spend together? Um, Maybe we could go out once every three or four months and, and go see a movie or go for a walk or whatever it might be, right. Mm. Come up with a plan of what you want and then let them respond and, and, let you know hey yeah that sounds reasonable or no actually I can get together with you every month it doesn't just have to be every, be every three or four months right like you, you don't know what the outcome will be but have the conversation and I think following those steps will help you to make sure you're not just ending a friendship when you don't actually have all the facts right and mm. maybe you've just allowed your emotions to get the best of you mm. but if in the end it happens to be that that person is at a very different stage in life and maybe comes from a very different biblical perspective and they agree biblically with things that you do not agree with, maybe it is time to end that friendship. And uh, if that's the case, you can be thankful for the season that you had, but realize that um, if a friendship ends then and you've done your part in trying to reconcile and to understand the full truth and not allow your interpretation to to make your decisions for you, then you're going to be uh, okay. God's going to provide for you. And there's going to be other friends that you can invest in that might be more fruitful for you, that might be more, be more beneficial for you in terms of biblical friendship. Hmm. So yeah, we'll talk more about that in our next episode when we're uh, going to be having a, a series on forgiveness and conflict management. But that's it for now.
0: That's good. Some solid... Um, solid application for us. And I like the, um, I like the reminder to think the best, think the best of the other person. That's great. Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about social awkwardness. (laughs) I know most of us have felt socially awkward at some point. Um, The feeling um, of (laughs) You wish you didn't say that thing or you kind of wish you could disappear or rewind a situation Um, there i think there are some people who um who are a little more extreme or um uh, who are extreme on that end on that end of thing they they might be more inept in social settings they look really uncomfortable or or anxious Um, They often misread social cues or even have an intense fear of socializing. Um, How can we help those who, who are like that? And what about those who try way too hard or don't try enough?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we can all relate to that either personally or we've been in experiences mm-hmm. or situations that have been like that. So first of all, if you say something that you later regret, you can absolutely go back to that person and apologize. I think as women, we have to be somewhat careful about not over analyzing everything that we say mm-hmm. because, um, you know, you're in a social situation and you go home and you immediately start thinking about all the things that you said and start beating yourself up for that. Some women are really bad at that. So just be careful, don't overanalyze. Mm-hmm. But if there is something that you uh, later on or maybe even in the moment you realize, "Oh, that came across really wrong or I shouldn't have said that." Go and apologize. Just mm-hmm. go clarify with people and uh, and then you you're going to be okay, right? Like even if they're upset with you, at least you've done your part, right? Yeah. And certainly we don't want to do or say things that are going to upset people. Um, but do your part and go and apologize mm-hmm. if there really is something that was inappropriate. And then secondly, I just think we have to learn to watch people's faces as we talk. And I know sometimes you're thinking about something and you just go off on a rant. You forget to, t- to look at people And their faces actually tell you a lot about whether or not you're saying something that you shouldn't be saying, you're speaking too much, you're being uh, maybe interpreting something that isn't actually accurate. And I've had to learn this in counseling because... As we've talked about before, there's there's certain be- patterns in people's behavior and sometimes we just assume that, okay, this person did this and I've mm. seen it a hundred times and so therefore they have also done this. Mm. That's not always the case. So watch people's faces as you're talking so that you can catch yourself before you make an assumption or say something that is Totally wrong in mislabeling of that person. But also, as you watch people, you will notice if maybe you're going on for too long, they're getting bored and they're looking away, or you're saying things that are, are awkward. They're going to start, you know, maybe turning red in the face or not looking you in the eye. Watch for those kind of things so that you know, okay, maybe this isn't the right thing to say, or maybe they start backing away. Or changing the subject, maybe it's because you're talking too much about yourself instead of asking questions about them, or um, maybe you are being too, too intentional, right? We've talked about being Mm. intentional, taking initiative, and we should do that in relationships. But if you're too aggressive, it's going to make people awkward. And I think especially as adults, we want to give relationships time to develop. You don't have to be best friends with that person just because you've made a connection with them one time, right? So watch people, watch those subtle cues and be intentional, but don't be overly aggressive either. And I think asking good questions is, is a good thing and really seek to know that person and listen to them listen to what they're saying instead of just thinking about the next thing you want to say and uh, once again just the idea of not rushing a relationship you don't have to develop uh, uh, you know uh, one of those best friend relationships the very first time you meet and we've seen i've seen this in guy girl relationships uh, either guys aren't intentional enough they're too passive or they rush into things and maybe on the first date they tell uh their date that they would like to marry them and and that they'd like to get married within the next six months or they would like to have 10 children and would she be willing to have Mm -hmm. 10 children whoa like that's rushing things you don't need to move that quickly just because you're intentional Mm -hmm. and maybe we can do those kind of things with our girlfriends as well right and we we um maybe go go for a walk with a friend and we're like, hey, do you want to go again tomorrow? And hey, you're my bestie now. It's like, whoa, like <laughs> give me some space, right? We don't have to make those covenants immediately. So don't yeah. rush things, but be intentional. Um, and I think we've talked about this a little bit, but we should know the other person's life and know their schedule. And that means that we want to be flexible. Don't expect them to hang out with you a few times a week if their schedule is full. Maybe they work full time or maybe they're parents of young children and uh, maybe they're going through a busy season season planning, a lot of family events. And so I think we have to be careful not to be offended and expect them to have the same needs that you or that we personally have. And some of this is a season of life. Some of it is uh, the difference between being an introvert and an extrovert. There, I think sometimes we uh, are too quick to label others or ourselves with those words. And whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, I think we need to be willing to stretch ourselves and learn from others and not to use those things as an excuse. The introvert can be quick to say, well, I'm an introvert, so I'm shy, I'm quiet, I just like to stay at home, I I re- rejuvenate when I'm by myself? Well, there is some truth to that, but don't use that as an excuse to isolate. You still need friends, so go and be intentional. And the extrovert probably has to learn to say that, hey, even though I could be with people 24-7 and just constantly be talking and mm-hmm. have lots of deep, intimate conversations you probably need to learn to say, hey, it's okay to be alone one evening. And I don't have to be constantly talking to be filled and satisfied in life. So just recognize those things and don't be too quick to be upset or offended if people have a different personality or a different lifestyle than you do. You can still be friends. And so I just thought I'd share a little bit about my life. I actually chatted with a few other pastors' wives, and I think in some ways we have some similarities. I know I personally have a deep affection for people, even though I don't necessarily talk to them weekly or message them bi-weekly or even hang out with them weekly, I I have a lot of relationships and I feel quite satisfied in my relationships and I consider a lot of people to be my friends. And if we've prayed together, if we've shared personal things together, you're my friend and I love you and I have deep affection for you. If you were in my small group five years ago, I still have deep affection Mm -hmm. for you even if I don't talk to you all the time. And that's part of, I I think it's partly my role. We, We are part of a a large church and I've you know I would like to know as many people as possible and so I I I genuinely do love people but I I personally uh am not in a season of life where I can have one or two friends that I message daily and hang out with weekly and have into my home all the time uh and I'm personally okay with that. I think there's people that might have a different personality or a different uh, situation in life where, yeah, you're going to hang out with you know two or three of the same people every single week. You might message or call each other uh, almost every day. And that's okay as long as we're not. So my in my situation, I have to be careful that I don't just have surface conversations or relationships with people just because I have lots of conversations. So I have to be aware of that and still take time to have meaningful and deep conversations where I'm not just investing in other people, but where I'm allowing them to invest in me. So I have mm-hmm. to be aware of that and be intentional about that. And I, I do that by messaging people if I, I need a prayer request by being intentional about being in a woman's small group and I do share personal things with them and making phone calls to to people I know can um, give me insight and input. I have to be intentional about that. Uh, and at the same time, someone who is in a different situation in life and maybe they're okay with just having two or three really good friends, you also have to be careful to not just have a little click where it's just the two or three of you and you don't let other people in or where you become codependent on them. And if maybe, um, maybe they get married, they don't have as much time for you. Or if they have children and you don't have children yet, all of a sudden they're very busy with children. Or maybe you're a student and in the past, you had lots and lots of time together, but now you're, best friends are working full-time and their schedule looks different they don't have as much flexibility as you do anymore you have to be okay with that variation and that flexibility Um, and so yeah I just think it's very important for us to recognize that our friends should be people who reflect our relationship with God And that means that we spend time together, we share with one another, we point each other to Christ, we help one another, we sacrifice for one another, we are loyal to one another, we confess our sins to one another, we forgive one another, we are long-suffering. Those are all examples of what relationships in Christ are all about because they represent the gospel and the most important thing in our friendships is not so much that we're together with the same people every day or every other day or at least a few times a week but are we representing the gospel in our relationships and that means am i doing that for others and am i allowing others to do that for me Mm. and and then to be willing to say okay so it's okay to have friends that look different and my friendships might look different than your friendships. But most importantly, are we representing the gospel Mm. in those friendships?
0: I love that. That's great. Um, And I think living a godly life attracts other godly friendships for sure. As we wrap up this series on friendships, Susie, can you give us a Susie list of tips that can help us build and maintain godly friendships?
1: Yes. So absolutely. First of all, don't isolate. Mm. Uh, Don't just go home and sulk and feel sorry for yourself. Um, You have to take initiative. And back to that question you just asked even earlier about the socially awkwardness. Mm. I think sometimes we have blind spots. We don't necessarily know what our own socially awkward tendencies are. So if you are having a difficult time making friends, maybe you need to go and ask someone you love, someone you trust and say, hey, do I have any socially awkward characteristics? Is there something about me that I need to know? Because I'm, I'm going through a season of life and I'm having a hard time making friends. Mm-hmm. And I actually honestly don't know why that is. I've mm-hmm. joined a small group. I've, I'm serving at the church. I'm I'm trying to take initiative, but there's something that's being a barrier, can you please tell me? And then listen to them. It might be hurtful. Be Mm -hmm. prepared for that. Mm -hmm. But if you actually want to change, be willing to be hurt so that you can actually learn how to have gospel-centered friendships. And then I would say learn to ask questions. I would say when I was first learning to be more outgoing and more relational, I, I started by Asking questions. So when I was going to be alone with a person, with a woman, I would think through different questions I could ask her so I could keep the conversation going. So it wasn't all dependent on me. Now, another thing I've learned about uh, and observed in people who know how to be good friends, and this is not actually something that I think I'm very good at, but something that maybe I would still learn I'm almost, I'm in my mid to late 40s, but it's something that I think I can still learn is to learn to tell good stories. Mm. We probably all know women who always have a story to tell it. They seem to have such an interesting life because they've learned to tell good stories. So I think that's a good thing to learn. And it's something that I think I need to learn to do better as well. So, hey, I'm in, in this learning stage with all of you. And then we've already said this, but join a women's small group. Serve at your church. Be willing to share your vulnerabilities. Uh, So we have to be willing to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Will you pray for me? But at the same time, we have to be wise enough and discerning enough not to share too much. Um, Sometimes people give too many intimate details Mm -hmm. in a group that isn't ready for that. Mm -hmm. So share, but don't share too much. So maybe you're having... Um maybe you maybe you're struggling with depression and you have had some very very dark thoughts. And as much as I'd like to say share all your thoughts with your small group, there might be women in that group that aren't ready for that. Mm-hmm. So maybe start by sharing, "Hey, I've had a really difficult week. I've had some dark thoughts. Could you pray for me?" And and watch how they respond. If they immediately jump in and and Share maybe some scripture with you or maybe an experience that they've had in the past and how they've overcome their depression and they're willing to pray for you. Maybe next time you can share a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But don't share everything right away. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you're being too private or you're not willing to share your vulnerabilities. It does take time to build trust and intimacy in a relationship. So start off with the little things or the minor things or the things that still tell the truth, but not too much. I think Mm -hmm. we have to be careful about that. And when it comes to your relationship, if you are married, your relationship with your husband, you can say, hey, I, I need to be honest with you. Our marriage is really struggling right now. But if they're not people that are able to actually help you in the process, you have to be very careful about how much you share about your husband. I don't think we should share, keep secrets. If we need help, we should be willing to ask for it. But maybe that requires just sharing that with your small group leader or a biblical counselor or your pastor, whatever the situation might be. Not everybody needs to know everything just because they're your friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think uh, it's good to build a variety of friendships. So be in a small group, be with um, in an area where you're serving. Maybe you have a hobby that you like. Maybe it's going to the gym or going for walks or um, art of some sort. I have a little biking club that I enjoy biking with. And as we bike, we don't necessarily have deep conversations all the time, but we are building relationship as we do that together. So yeah, be willing to also invest in relationships outside of the church as well. Find people that you have something in common with. And uh, that way you build a variety of friendships and you're not just depending on one or two people. And then I think we need to recognize that sometimes friends are for a season and that's okay. And uh, yeah, it might hurt when that season ends. It's not always because of sin. Sometimes they move away or they, um, they're in a different season and so your friendship changes. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And then another thing, I think offer to help someone in need. If you see someone that is going through a hard time, be willing to say, Hey, do you need something? Even if you don't know that person very well, and you never know that could turn into an amazing friendship. So that means you have to notice their needs and do what you can to help. And maybe you, their needs are too big for you, but you can do something little. Maybe all you can do is pray, but let them know you're praying for them. Or maybe you could send them a Bible verse just to encourage them. That only takes a few minutes, right? Send them a quick message. Give them a phone call if you know them a little bit better. If they need help with practical things, maybe you can offer to babysit their children or to bring them a meal or to clean their house. It depends what their needs are and how much time you have. Um, Don't try to be God to them. You can't necessarily solve their problem. But notice a need and then do what you can or at least offer to do something. And then uh, another thing I'd say is don't just try to be friends with the most popular people. Uh, I, I find that sometimes um, you notice that someone's popular, they have a lot of friends, they have a lot of influence, and the new person wants to hang out with that person because they're noticed and they seem to have a lot of friends, they seem to have a lot of information, they seem to be a lot of fun. And and yet because they're the most popular, they already have 25 friends and can't keep up with the friendships that they already have. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It just means that they've reached reached their max and they they just don't have the ability to have another close friend. So don't just try to be friends with them. But at the same time, don't ignore them either. Don't assume that just because they are well known that they actually have a lot of friends. So if you see something in them that draws you to them, Test the waters, and if they jump on it, if they want to hang out with you, maybe they're actually somebody that does mm. need a friend. They appear to have a lot of relationships, but maybe they're just surfacey relationships. So just, yeah, test the waters there. And then look for someone who needs a friend. And I actually did this, and it worked out quite well. I went to, um, after I raised my children, my youngest daughter just entered into junior kindergarten and so I had a little bit of time to to do something different and I considered I really need to uh, contribute financially to the family and so I decided to go back to college and I took my personal support worker um, diploma to help out uh, people who are aging and in need of uh, more personal care So it was like an eight-month program and, of course, I went into the college. I didn't know anybody there and I kind of looked around and I saw this woman who also didn't seem to know anybody and I just went up to her and I'm not sure if we did a group project together or if we had lunch together. I'm not sure what it was but I went up to her and we actually became really good friends and it was just a good um, opportunity. I saw her need. I also needed a friend. I needed someone to do a group project with. And so I went up to her and took that initiative. So sometimes we have to do that. Look Mm -hmm. for someone who needs a friend. In any group setting, there is usually going to be someone that looks lost, that looks alone, that isn't hanging out with anybody. Go and talk to that Mm -hmm. person. You are not too cool to be friends with the lonely, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so um, and you never know what kind of a friendship that might bring. Mm -hmm. And maybe it will never develop into a friendship because maybe you don't have that chemistry. But at least go and be kind and you never know what will happen. Once again, it's it's more about you being a good friend than it is about meeting your own needs. Go and meet the need of another person. And then, of course, be willing to express your friendship to people, but don't be clingy. So, yeah, let people know that you value their friendship, that you had a good time but don't be so clingy that you're like, oh, I just had such a good time with you. I wish I could spend time with you every day. You're just such a fun person and you're just so beautiful. Like some friends can actually be that way. Mm-hmm. Don't be that person. <laughs> <laughs> and then allow, once again, let's just finish with saying, allow your friends to be friends with others. You don't have to be codependent or or keep them in a box. Your friends are allowed to be friends with other people. And... This might, uh, I'm sure, I think I've shared it with some people and it might surprise some people, but when I was going through a stage in my life where I was really trying to figure out how to be more outgoing and interactive um, because I was, you know, had been a fairly shy person, there was someone that gave me the advice that said this. She said, work the room. People want to talk to you. And it's not even necessarily anything super spiritual. But when she said that to me, I kind of got the picture. So I'm married to a husband who is, uh, he's the lead pastor of our church. He's very outgoing. He can talk, talk to anybody. And so there's many situations where we're going to an event together, but we're not together. He, he has a role. He has um, opportunities. He has... Um, a lot of people that he knows and many times I don't know as many people as he does Mm -hmm. and when we were first married I'd often feel awkward or I'd feel lonely or out of place and uh, I wished that I could be with him although knowing that wasn't necessarily the best thing and so realizing okay I can be that person too I don't just have to sit here and wait for people to come to me no actually go work the room, go and talk to people. So look around the room, look for other people who are sitting by themselves, or even if they're in a group, just go and say hello, be friendly. Who doesn't like a friendly person? And I started doing that and it really made a difference. Mm. I look back and I think Mm. like, how did that impact my life so much? But it did. And now it's just more natural to me. And uh, I, I find it quite enjoyable. And Sometimes you stay in chat for a while. If it's a good conversation, if you easily connect with the group of people that you're talking to, or that one person that you're going to talk to, sometimes it's not, maybe it's an awkward situation, but at least you've gone and done your part. You've said hello and been friendly. And if that's all it is, that's okay. Move on to the next person, Mm -hmm. go work the room,
0: right? It makes your time more enjoyable. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. If we all did that,
1: like, can you imagine it it would make for a really good time. And then one more thing, and these aren't, once again, this list is not something that I would say it's a priority list that goes from top to bottom. Uh, they are just ideas that come to mind as I've thought about what I've done in my own life to be a friend and to make friends. And then what I've seen other people do as well. And I'd say pray with your friends Uh I don't do this all the time, but just recently I was chatting with someone that I had just, I've known her for quite a while now, but when I first got to know her, she said she noticed that I came up to her and chatted with her at church. She shared something with me. And in that moment, I prayed with her. And I don't even remember that really. Maybe I have a vague memory, but it's not something that I would have ever even thought of again if she hadn't mentioned that to me. And it was just a reminder of how valuable it is to pray with someone, right? It's easy to say, I'll pray for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably as guilty as anyone, maybe even more that I, I forget. Afterwards, mm-hmm. and then you feel so guilty and so awful for forgetting to pray for that person. And so, as much as possible, pray with your friend in the moment when they ask you. Whether you're on the phone with your texting, whether you're at church or going for a run or at the gym or going for a bike ride, pray with your friends. And if not, pray as soon as possible afterwards. And then let them know that you're praying for them. Um, so I know I've been doing a lot of talking here, but one of our listeners actually sent me this message. It's a little testimony of uh, her journey in friendship. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to share that with you because I think it's valuable. Hey, Sandy, you and I have chatted a lot here, but I like hearing from other people as well. And this is what she said. So I'm just going to read her her message. It says, things I have found helpful. She said, be with Be friends with Jesus first. Run to him first, even before you talk to another friend. So often I find myself even just sharing a hard or sad thing that happened with God first. It relieves some of the pain and I'm in a better place if and when I share with a friend. Mm. Such good advice, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes we can get real ugly fast with our friends. And maybe if we had actually processed with God first, we wouldn't be quite so ugly. Yep. And then secondly, pray. God knows that people whom you will connect with and have things in common with, and maybe he already put you in each other's lives for some time, for such a time as this. So maybe you've known someone uh, here. These are my own words now, Mm -hmm. uh, commenting on what she said. Maybe you've known someone for a long time and you've just been casual friends, but all of a sudden something happens in one or the other's life and it's an opportunity to develop that friendship. Uh, and then thirdly, or fourthly, she said, I'd join a Bible study and interact with people there. So she's repeating some of the same stuff that we already said, but I, it's good advice. Mm-hmm. So it's not just coming from me, it's being affirmed by another person. <laughs> so you you can count on it. And then she also says, reach out to a good friend or a few whom you haven't spoken with in a while. A few months ago, I voice mes- messaged a few friends that live out of the province and have have spoken to in a year or two, and it's been so great to catch up and reconnect. Sometimes it's a week or a few in between messages, and that's okay. And then she also says, It is okay if your friendship with one person looks different than another person's friendship with that same person. Personalities are different, and people connect on different things. So also something I've already said, but Mm -hmm. good to hear her affirm that. And then she also said, a good friend gave me this tip. When people tell you or you tell them, hey, we should go out for coffee sometime or we should hang out, keep a list of these people. And when you're feeling lonely or want to do something, go to your list and ask them to hang out. What, uh, now yeah. my comment, this is <laughs> my comment. I think that's great advice. So, what too. a good idea to keep a list, yeah. right? Because sometimes we can get offended and say, oh, yeah, three months ago, she told me she wanted to go out for coffee with me and she still hasn't reached out. Once again, stop feeling sorry for yourself Mm -hmm. and reach out to that person. Yeah, yep. And then another thing she said is pursue friendship. Around the new year, a friend posted in a prayer group that I am part of about a podcast she listened to. And it's these two 20-something women. And I think the podcast was about New Year's goals. I don't even know if I listened to it or not, but they talked about a variety of topics for women in college, their 20s. I love what they said about friendship. They compared making new friends to dating in the way that you have to pursue friendship, like asking a new person out for coffee. So, once again, pursue, be intentional. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing she said is this has been a season of many new things. And one of the greatest blessings has been the new friendships and new depth to old friendships. And I praise God. Praise the Lord for his goodness to me. And so what an encouragement, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we go through hard times and we can either isolate and feel sorry for ourselves. And maybe for a season we do for uh, hopefully not a whole season, but for a short period of time. But then let's go put into practice the things that we already know to be true. Things that we have seen in others, things that have been said to us about friendship Let's go practice those Mm -hmm. and not just wait for others to come and practice them on us. And it can be such a blessing. Just as this woman, this listener of ours testified to us, she has been blessed. Even though she started off in a very difficult season, the friendships she's gained because of it have been a great blessing to her. So, um, yeah, every season can be an opportunity to build new friendships or to increase the old friendships that you already have,
0: just like we just heard well thank you Susie for your really thoughtful insight into friendship and I know you've been thinking about this for a while and um hopefully this will help encourage women to be intentional and thoughtful in this area and I have some um some things that I want to work on as well so I thank you for that and your list and um Yeah, just this discussion that we've had. So thank you to everybody for joining us again as we look to rebuild biblical womanhood from the foundation up.